Okay. <laughs> we are uh, going to continue in our sermon series on the Holy Spirit. Uh, it has gone a lot longer than I anticipated, but I feel like God is doing something. They started off uh, differently, and that's why it's going longer than I anticipated, because we started with uh, the theme. Uh, I think we, not we, just generalization, we neglect when we talk about the Holy Spirit, and that is his transformational power. It's one of the first things the Holy Spirit does. It changes us. It transforms us. And the evidence the Holy Spirit is active and moving in our life is that we're changing, that we're transforming. And so um, we use the analogy, well, it's not my analogy. It's if you look at it in concordance, uh, around the early 90s or uh, late 80s, um, there are people who study language and uh, study the scriptures, and it's kind of fun. And uh, they discovered, they found uh, an old recipe. And it was written around the same time that John would have been ministering in the same area, and it was literally how to make a pickle. And uh, they used those examples. I know, it's annoying. I'm sorry. It's okay. There's grace. Uh, they used examples, and, and, and so they used that pickle analogy. And the fun thing about a pickle is that a cucumber transforms into a pickle. It's not even the same after, and it only happens when it is actually immersed in the pickling, pickling solution. So we're transformed by the Holy Spirit. And out of that transformation comes this natural growth of the fruit or the evidence of the Spirit. And we talked about some of those fruits and some of those evidences of the Spirit. And so now we're kind of in the application of the Holy Spirit actually being active and alive and working in our lives. And, and this is actually piggybacking a little bit off of Pastor Cody's message last week. It's kind of inspired me here. But uh, two weeks ago, I shared a quote from uh, Billy, Graf's, uh, Billy, Graham's, Billy, Graf's, Billy Graham's biography that uh, essentially says, in a paraphrasing here, that 95% of our, uh, the church activities today would continue if the Holy Spirit was removed from them. But it's the exact opposite if we look at the church uh, in Acts or the New Testament church. The 95% of the church's activities would have stopped without the Holy Spirit. And that should be convicting. It should be convicting that, uh, that it, we would not look different. And that really is the challenge. How do we as a church look different? Not because we act different, but because we are different uh, because of the Holy Spirit. What if the Holy Spirit was a difference maker? What if it was the Holy Spirit in action and moving that reflected who the church really is? What we're going to look at this morning, what we've been looking at, is how the Holy Spirit empowers our daily living, giving power and purpose. And we're going to see how the Holy Spirit gives the perfect gift at the perfect time when we actually intend on using the gifts the Holy Spirit gives us. When we intend to use it, the Holy Spirit gives the perfect gift and it reflects Jesus. And can I just say quickly that the Holy Spirit's reflection of Jesus is significantly better than my reflection of Jesus without the Holy Spirit. Even me, I know. But Sam, no, I'm just kidding. Anyways, we all had a laugh. It's okay. We're going to start in Acts, and we're going to go on a little journey together. So join me on this journey as we go on an adventure. And we're starting in Acts 1, starting in verse 4. We're just going to be two verses here. Once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. 
As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now, I love this statement of waiting. And why? Because I feel like what this communicates to me, and this is like the translation of Sam here. It's, first of all, it's a reminder of this promise. This promise that, you know, here we are in this world, in this scary kind of world that's kind of broken, a little messed up, and actually terrifying if you watch the news enough. And here's this promise that you're not going in it alone, right? Wait for the Holy Spirit. It's kind of like as parents, you know, you bring your kids to something and you just, hey, wait for mom and dad, right? Because, you know, there's a security and there's this moment of independence. We're like, I can do it without you, but really, what do we, we want mom and dad, right? I can do it without you, mom. I can do it without you, dad, right? And it's like this, we're not going in this life and we're not going in this world alone. And the second thing I love about this statement, because what it communicates for me, for me, is that effectiveness when it comes to ministering in the Holy Spirit, our effectiveness as believers isn't found in doing more or even being more, but it's actually found in waiting, or I like to call it soaking in the Holy Spirit. And so many times when we talk about the action aspects of church, it, we leave feeling like we got to do more. And the key isn't in the doing, but there, you know, obviously there is doing. The power that's found in the Holy Spirit and our effectiveness is found in the waiting. It's the uh, Monday to Saturday personal relationship with the Holy Spirit. It's more than just the Sunday morning quick showers or like big showers. You know, last week we had uh, Sunday night worship and we were here for a long time. That was like a longer shower. But still, if we're only dependent on being soaked in the Holy Spirit one day a week, then we're not becoming pickles. I mean, we can try the experiment. And if someone is a mechanical, I know my father-in-law's thinking, oh, is this possible? We could like little build a machine and it can dip a cucumber in pickling solution for, for I, I think, months. And it's still not going to turn into a pickle until it's immersed in that solution. Now look, look at verse 8. So this is the promise. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you'll be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. We're going to look at two key words in this verse, receive and witness. First of all, the word receive, I've mentioned this before, it's a word I really like because it sounds like Lamborghini, and it's Lambano, and that's the only reason I remember it. <laughs> it sounds like Lamborghini, Lambano. And this word, particular word receive, now in, in the language that this is written, uh, um, there is different words that express different things, and context is sometimes built into the words. Uh, we have this in the English language. Uh, I can say the word trunk, and without any context, it can mean tree trunk, elephant trunk, the trunk of a, trunk of a vehicle. Uh, you know, I can keep going, but I won't, because it's probably smart. Um, but here, the word receive, the meaning or the context, it's built into the particular word that the author here, which would be Luke, quoting Jesus, is using. Now, this word receive means to take hold with your hand or to take hold of with the intent of using. Okay, It's different than just receiving, but there's intent behind it. I don't know if my birthday just happened uh, last week, and I got really great gifts. I'm wearing some of my gifts. I actually bought some of my gifts, so it's even better. But uh, um, I think we've all experienced giving, getting the gift where we say thank you and we just never use. 
right? Oh, thank you. And then it kind of goes in the cupboard all the way up here. Thank you. And then all of a sudden we do a gift exchange and we forget who actually gave us the gift and we give it back. That really awkward scenario. Uh, so this word means the opposite of. It's taking hold of with the intent of using. Uh, uh, here, let's have a little getting to know Sam thing. Uh, getting to know me. I have this uh, um, part of my transformation and testimony story is I went from someone incredibly negative uh, and debilitating negativity where I wouldn't do anything to almost like dangerous positivity where I think nothing is impossible. And which is great until you realize some things are actually impossible for me to do. And, and, and so I get myself in a lot of trouble. And one of them is working with my hands. I, I, I take on these building projects and they just never really, like really, some, you're not that bad, Sam. And then they work with me like, oh, go, no, you're actually that bad. And, and um, I, 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 I would say about 13 or 14 years ago, I, I hurt my knee really bad, long story, we're good now, but I was like, I couldn't really function, I couldn't move, and my knee was in a thing, and I would walk, and my knee would give out, and it'd be all bad, and, and so I was just like lost, I had no purpose, I couldn't, like Katie was pregnant with my daughter Hope, and she was like cutting the grass, and I'm watching crying, it's like my wife was pregnant, she's cutting the grass, and I'm sitting here, and I, anyways, so I had a really good friend, his name is John, he decided, hey, let's like build something together, and, and, and you'll be able to do it, and, and, and you won't have to be on your leg, and so we built planter boxes, and so I had no tools, but, you know, John would give me the tools. And he wouldn't do it for me, but he walked me through it. He, first, we started with getting wood, and then he had a planer, right? And so it, it, we could have just looked at the planer. We could have talked about how the planer worked, with the gears and the shit. But we then used the planer. And I took the cedar, and I ran it through the planer, right? And then we had the, uh, the saw. There's lots of saws. The one that goes like this. Okay? And then we, we had the saw, and we didn't just talk about the saw. We used the saw. I'm not kidding, guys. I'm not joking. Okay? <laughs> and we built the box, receiving with the intent of using. So you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So many times we're waiting for this feeling of the Holy How come I don't experience the Holy Spirit in my life? Why don't I feel like God is real? Well, this is the promise that when we take hold of it with the intent of using it, we will receive power. That's the order that's, that, that it's written in. And then there's this word witness, which we get our modern word martyr from, martis. And, and, and witnessing isn't a complicated word. It simply means testifying or speaking what you see. So as we see things, we just speak it. And this is exactly Cody's message last week, which inspired this thinking in my brain. How, how, how simple it is to communicate the goodness and the truth that we have and that what we are experiencing. So here's how it plays out if we want to use the translation of Sam. When we take hold of the Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit gives us, whether it be through worship, through our daily, daily devotions, through our soaking, we're being empowered, we're being impacted, we're experiencing and we're sensing the Holy Spirit. And now when we intend to use that and go out and actually use what we've been giving, when we begin to share the experience of the good news, when we begin to pray for those outside of the doors of the church, when we begin doing the things that Jesus demonstrated and, and said that we'd even do greater things for, right? So when we begin to walk that out, um, uh, we will begin to give evidence of God's goodness. And as we give that experience and we begin seeing the power of God work in our lives, then we begin to share it, Right? So we're seeing and we're sharing. See, the idea of evangelism, the idea of 
uh, 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 of sharing the truth probably got turned into a system like multi-level marketing sales pitch because we have lived so ineffectively that we've seen nothing to share. So we've had to create programs that say, okay, well, if we do this, this, and this, then that's evangelizing. Let's give out a survey and say, hey, do you know where you're going to go when you die? And we just keep repeating the same cycle instead of sharing actively what God is doing because we're receiving the Holy Spirit and wanting to demonstrate it. Does that kind of make sense? And, and so this is this phrase, that you will receive power and you will be my witnesses. And we can translate that in our homes, in our lives, in our communities, in our cities, and out. But we can't do it effectively without the waiting. Right? And so if we try to, like, you know, I'm Shortcut Sam. I give myself that nickname right now. And, 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 you know, I'm always, okay, how can I do this a little faster? There's people with different personalities. There's perfectionists, and I am not that. I am a getter done. I'm a throw it in fourth gear, and let's slap that box together. It doesn't have to be straight. It just has to be nailed together. This is why I get in trouble. Right? And, and, and there just is no shortcut. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So positioning, receiving, and then you will be my witnesses. Let me tell you guys, witnessing is terrifying and incredibly hard without the presence of God, without the waiting. And we don't even have to share other people's stories. We can actually begin to share ours. This is one of the powerful things of Brock's message is uh, um, he, he, the verses from Revelation. And it's actually written in, in present tense. A, a majority of Revelation is written in present tense because it's designed to actively be used. It's not just speaking of what's happening in the future. And this is the power that we walk in. When we begin to share what God is doing personally in us, there is power in it because the Holy Spirit empowers it. Right? It's kind of cool. It's kind of like, hey, how does an iron get hot? Uh, you plug it in. Well, right? It's how do we, as Christians, have power? We're plugged in. Oh, right? It's kind of cool. So let's continue on the journey in Acts. Now we're going to see the Holy Spirit being poured out in the church for the first time. So starting in verse 1, on the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. So let's pause there. The end of verse 4 says, as the Holy Spirit gave them ability. Now that word gave, just like the word receive, is a very particular word. And that word gave means to give, one of, to give freely of one own accord, to bestow a gift. And it's written in a repeating sense, meaning that this is what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit just gives gifts as he wants to give gifts, because he wants to give gifts, to give gifts. So we're starting, that's a, a tongue twister. But so we're starting from a position that if we want to receive and if we want to do, we have a Holy Spirit who really, really wants to give. And he doesn't just give once. He continues to give. And he began to give to the church. And so the testimony of the church from day one is the Holy Spirit has given the church gifts. And those gifts, as we're going to see through this journey, are designed to reflect Jesus. He's giving the perfect gift at the perfect time. And so we see evidence of that now starting in verse 5, the very next verse. 
At that time, there was devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running, and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. Let's pause there. See, the Holy Spirit gave the perfect gift at the perfect time. Sometimes we stop at that verse and think, yeah, and now everyone needs to speak in tongues, and I think everyone should speak in tongues, but that's not, if we stop there, we're missing the power of what really happened on that day. You see, on that day, the church began to reflect and glorify the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, in that time, in that area, there's people from different regions who understood different languages, and they heard something. How are these people who shouldn't speak my language speaking my language? The Holy Spirit was giving the perfect gift at the perfect time. And that very same Holy Spirit is called and designed to be active and alive today, now, in us, and through us. Isn't that cool? Isn't that amazing? Giving the perfect gift at the perfect time. I actually got to witness something like this when I was a, a young kid. Probably wasn't that young because I actually remember it. Uh, I was in my teens, and this was in this journey where I actually completely walked away from faith, but I still went to church because I, had, I feared my mother. That's a good thing. <laughs> the fear of the mother does good things. And um, I love you now, Mom. Uh, man, I got to. Anyways, um, I'm watching the power team. Does anyone remember the power team? Does anyone know who I'm talking about when I say the power team? Okay, there were a whole bunch of, like, weightlifters, I guess. They would do, like, these amazing things of feats of strength, and then tell the gospel. Like, I didn't know why, but hey, it worked. And we were at Pacific Coliseum. That's how old this is. And some of the kids were like, Pacific Coliseum? It used to be, anyways. We're at Pacific Coliseum, and we're all there, and there's thousands of people there. And it was, I remember this moment, because they were filling a hot water bladder thingy. I don't know what those things are called. With his lungs, and then until it, it bursts, and it's like, oh, so powerful. And then it kind of got quiet as they're transitioning, and there was a word in tongues. And I was like, what? And all of a sudden, it's like, you know, I shouldn't make my mistake. Tongues were going off, and I'm like, oh, man, this might be like, I don't know. I was just like, what is happening right now? And then you're standing, and I'm pretty far away, and you see this faint person running to the front. And I'm like, are they, like, rushing the stage? Like, what is happening right now? And you see security coming up, and all of a sudden, what's going on? And then the person on the power team is like, that word was in Bulgarian. And that person just accepted Jesus right now. And I, I forgot the exact message. But this is the same Holy Spirit at work, right? And so if then, why not now, right? If then, why not here? And, you know, and why not me? As we continue reading, we'll see another response. Not, not only did the church just speak in tongues and speak in other languages, but Peter actually stood up and spoke. Now, it doesn't sound surprising because Peter's an apostle. He's written letters, and you would think, hey, yeah, Peter would do that. But literally, you know, we're talking about, about a week, week and a half before this, Peter denied even knowing Jesus, right? He was afraid. And not only was he afraid, he was so shaken up that Peter, after Jesus' death, went back to doing what he used to do, went back fishing. I'm just going to go back to what's comfortable. I'm going to go back to what I know. That he was so scared, and yet now, filled with the Holy Spirit, this is what he does. He preaches the gospel, and it says in verse 41, those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day. About 3 
thousand and all. See, Jesus gave the perfect gift at the perfect time and empowered something incredibly natural and absolutely magnified it. See, up until this point in church history, never has a conversion like that ever been recorded. And that's including Jesus' ministry. Yet here, Peter was able to stand up and explain through the old prophets what was going on. He spoke the gospel. The Holy Spirit empowered it and over 3,000 in one day. Remembering the audience that was there were incredibly traditional Jewish believers. And some of them, the very same Jewish believers that had Jesus crucified. Yet now, empowered by the Holy Spirit, something was different. I just remember the promise that Jesus gave. You will do even greater things than me. How will we do that? Holy Spirit. But guys, if we're not waiting, and if it isn't an everyday thing, then we're not going to experience it. And that isn't like a condemnation. It's not like, you know, a rebuke here. It is, if this is what we want to experience, then this is how we experience it. Not everyone is going to want to experience it. You know what? And God still loves you. And that's totally fine. And you can still experience, you know, how you want to experience God. God is incredibly gentle. And the Holy Spirit is amazingly loving. But this morning, if we want more, we're actually invited into the more. Right? And, And... and it's doable. 95% of the church activities would stop in the New Testament church if the Holy Spirit was removed by, removed from it. And this is what I think Billy Graham was referencing, starting in verse 42. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, and to sharing in meals, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders, And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions, and they shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day. They met in the homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. This is just the natural reflection of the Holy Spirit just giving gift, giving gift, after giving gift, after giving gift to glorify and to reflect the gospel of Jesus Christ and to bless his church. And when I say the word church, we are his church. Isn't that just awesome? Isn't that just amazing? And so if then, why not now? And if for those people, why not us? Why not us? They just naturally wanted to be together and to serve one another. Do you know how miraculous that is? Have you tried to gather a group of people who are different, unique, and actually want to be together, not just one day, not just two days, but all the time. That 
my friends, is miraculous. The sharing and the providing for one another, that is miraculous. See, the Holy Spirit is empowering us and he's giving us the perfect gift at the perfect time to serve our communities, to serve our places of work, to serve our families, to serve our sphere of influences. We can move in power and effectiveness in every aspect of our lives when we take hold of what the Holy Spirit has for us and intend to use it. You see, signs and wonders follow the ministry of the gospel because everything that we experience is designed for one thing, and that's to glorify and magnify Jesus. And this is what Scripture teaches us, that the gospel is confirmed by God through signs, wonders, and miracles distributed by the Holy Spirit. That word distributed is the same word and has a very similar meaning to the word give that we just read here in Acts 1. This is what God wants to do. And if our intention is to make known the kingdom of heaven, to make known Jesus through our lives, we can be assured that that what follows is the signs, wonders, and powers and demonstrations of the Holy Spirit. That is the evidence that the life that we're living and the words that we're speaking are gospel. Because if they are not, then we won't see it. And so if we are not seeing it, then what are we living, what are we saying, and what is our motivation, and what are we doing? And that's a hard work. It kind of is. Because I don't see it very often, right? And this is what we need to understand. What we see here in Acts, and what we see throughout Old Testament, New Testament, is God's will in God's heart is for all people to be saved. He wants all of them. I didn't come to judge the world, but to save, heal, deliver, set free. That's the ministry of Jesus, and that is his will. That is what he wants to see. And so the issue is not in his willingness. It's here, right? And this is why we are growing why we need the Holy Spirit. I'm just a cucumber looking to be a pickle, and I'm in that process, right? And that's all the Holy Spirit's looking for. And then my faith is that as I, through my life and through my words, reflect Jesus, then the demonstrations will follow. I thought of this. I read it in a book somewhere. Like, I don't even know when. I've read a few books recently. But, but picture like, I was literally thinking of Texada and thinking this is literally something I would do. So that's why I thought of this example. But, but just think of a hunter, okay? Especially bow hunters. Bow hunters are really cool because they actually have to be kind of good, right? And, and, and so they're walking around, super quiet, and they see their, their buck, you know, picture at four point if you're a hunter, right? And they're stalking the buck. And you have to get pretty close, right? And so you're putting in a lot of effort. It takes a lot of time. And you get there, and you see the perfect buck. This is it. This is going to be the one. This is going to be amazing. And you get your bow, and you go to grab your arrow, and you've left your arrows behind, right? You, a hunter wouldn't do that. Now, this is something I can relate to. You go to the grocery store, okay? <laughs> you fill your cart. I call them buggies. You ever call them buggies? You fill your buggies. Okay. I don't know. Sometimes I'm using Italian words, and I think they're English. You're, 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 you got your buggy, and you load them up. 
right? And then you're walking through, and there's a sale on ice cream. Oh, man, it's so good. So you throw the Ben and Jerry's in there, and you get to the till. And what have you done? You have left your wallet at home. I don't have my wallet right now. I leave it at home all the time. And you get to the till, and you don't have your wallet. How, how frustrating is that? The walk of shame. Has anyone done that where you have literally left your cart and went home and didn't go back or went to a different grocery store? <laughs> Yet this is what we, the church, are doing when we neglect the importance of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We're walking into this world trying to reflect Jesus without any arrows. We've left our wallet at home, and we've reflected our own condemnation, maybe our own brokenness. Maybe we've reflected our own programs, but we haven't reflected the very thing that's super attractive, and that is Jesus. Right? I feel like this is the ministry of the Holy Spirit. It's found in the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000. And we are just this boy, and we're bringing what we have. Here is my lunch. Now, if that boy decided to bypass Jesus, to bypass the Holy Spirit, and start spreading his lunch, it would be pretty embarrassing. Mm -hmm. So why do we feel like, as the church, we can bypass the Holy Spirit and still be that effective? Mm -hmm. Right? Holy Spirit, here are my loaves, here are my fish. I'm going to call you guys back up as we begin to close and as we worship, and then we're going to make time for prayer, but even in this, this closing song of worship, this is the reflection that uh, I just love. Sam says, am I coming? Am I not? Yes, come on, man. It's good. <laughs> this is, um, oh, I lost track. <laughs> I, just, <laughs> I just want us to take a, a kind of internal inventory. This is kind of what I noticed through the New Testament church and throughout it. We see the Holy Spirit being poured out again in Acts 4. We see it's just a continuous thing. Acts 10, all these different places. But I feel like those who receive that position themselves to receive that. right? And this is where it's found. I want to experience more of the Holy Spirit. I want to pray for people and see them get healed. I want to see people set free, absolutely changed. Like I want to see those transformations. These are the things I want to see. And so it's kind of like working out. Okay, I want to lift 135 pounds. Guess what? If I don't work up to it, I'm never going to lift that, right? You can, like, watch all the videos in the world you want. It's just not going to happen until you do it. So if I want to see it, I need to do it. And it starts in my home Monday morning, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Do I want it? Then that's where it's found. Position themselves. They spend time in worship. They spend time in the Word, and they spend time together. There's no substitute for time. They were in community. If we can't see the needs, then there's no needs being met. They, they went out. They went out. Guys, if we keep everything here, then we're not going to experience the more that I'm talking about. And they just did it. Guys, if we don't pray for others, then we won't see God answer prayer. If we don't serve others then we're not going to see needs being met. And let me tell you, this can be from the most practical thing, like just giving something. Hey, I want to, yeah, maybe God's impressing you, I want to give $500 to my neighbor. Right? It, it, 
or it could be as, as practical as, hey, I feel like baking muffins for, you know, this person. We have no idea what the Holy Spirit's doing. Maybe that person's just, man, I just really haven't had muffins in years. Then all of a sudden, you give them their muffins, or, or, or you paid that bill that they didn't even know about. Then they're like, wow, God answered my prayer. And you might not even know. And then their neighbor says, hey, how'd you pay that bill? Like, God answered my prayer. And now the kingdom of God's expanding. Hey, where'd those muffins come from? Wow, God so loved me. There's nothing, I, there's nothing so too small that I can't ask for. And all of a sudden, the kingdom is growing. And it could be a big thing where we physically pray and we see an arm grow out. We're like, my arm grew out, ah! right? All of that is serving and that is the gifts of the Holy Spirit. All right? So let's all stand and worship together.